You're listening to episode 171 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. If you have a business that's been, let's say, stuck in a certain phase of growth, or maybe there's a lack of growth, or maybe you're even growing, but you're unsure where to put your marketing budget, this one's for you. Ruben Drieger is an online business strategist who focuses on helping the heart-centered entrepreneur become business savvy. He has helped over 500 entrepreneurs move fully online with their businesses and is an expert at organic social media marketing. Ruben answers so many questions that come up for the first time and even long-time business owners like tracking your numbers, where to find clients, paid or organic marketing. I mean, the list just goes on. I know you're going to get a ton of value from this conversation, so be sure to let me know you're listening by taking a screenshot, sharing it on social media, tag me in it at MindBizLife, and I'll reshare. Even better, share this episode with a friend. Sharing helps get the podcast into the homes, cars, and earbuds of many. Before I introduce you to Ruben, I wanted to invite you to join me for a special event. Podbean, which is actually where I host my podcast from, is hosting their first ever wellness week and they are dedicating an entire week to wellness with live panels and interviews featuring many of your favorite podcasters, offering daily meditations, wellness hacks, special episode releases, and more to give you a curated week of wellness. Podcast Wellness Week runs for five days from Monday, November 30th until Friday, November 4th, and includes many wellness expert podcasters, including John Gray, the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, Tina Lifford, actress from the critically acclaimed drama Queen Sugar, author of The Little Book of Big Lies, and we've even got some podcasters like The Angry Therapist, John Kim, and so many more. I am so honored to say that I am part of this event. I am a moderator for one of the daily panels, and I'm going to be releasing a special episode as well. I'm going to share more information on this event, but tickets are selling now. Direct links are found in this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. All right. Well, now that I've shared that, it is time to meet this week's guest. You know what to do. Tune in. Turn it up. Let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business, and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey, Ruben. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Honestly, um, I say this on every show I'm on, but it's honestly, this is one of my favorite things to do because I just like talking about all the stuff we're going to be talking about, marketing, business, life. And uh, yeah, I'm just so grateful that you're having me on. Yes, I am so pumped to nerd out and talk business. And I love so much that part of your mission is helping the heart-centered entrepreneur become more business savvy because that is a true need. So I'm very curious what led you to this part in life and, and what led you to, to marketing and business coaching and becoming an online business strategist? Yeah, it's a great question. Honestly, I had no thoughts, plans, ideas, or even concepts of doing this um, until I got married. And so before, for, before being married, I just like, I worked construction. I did some brickling. I did some high rise window cleaning. I actually jumped around a lot. I went to school mm. here, played music professionally here. Like I was just like, basically trying to figure stuff out. 
And um, so when I got married, my wife uh, was an entrepreneur and she was going full time doing her thing on Instagram. She was uh, an online health coach at the time. And uh, it was, so I was bricklaying and she was working about half the amount of hours I was, but she's making more than me. And I was just like, okay, the first time in my mo- like in my life, stuff started to just seem like there's more out there. There's something that I could do that maybe I could help more people. Cause in Brickling, I didn't feel like I was really making a change in yeah. people's lives. I mean, we made beautiful driveways. Don't get me wrong. It was, it was fun and creative, but I was just felt like there was something bigger. And so um, just seeing my wife, Terry, just go after all this stuff I was like, Hey, this is super cool. Um, so I tried a couple different businesses, a bunch of them failed, but then I finally landed on being an online fitness coach, actually. Mm. And, uh, I'd always been into sports. So I was like really, really into all that. Um, and so that started to do really well. We finally got to the place where we were both, uh, separately doing about six figures and beyond in our own coaching businesses. And it was just, it was really great. Um, and so that's what slowly transitioned me to doing my own thing as an entrepreneur and, all of a sudden, we had a lot of people asking us, like, how did you do it? Um, how can I move away from a job that maybe I don't like or don't feel called to do and pursue my own thing? And so we slowly transitioned. Actually, I should say I slowly transitioned into the business coaching space. Um, and I've been doing that for about four years. So it's been it's been a really up and down journey, lots of highs and lows, but it's honestly just been incredible. Wow. I love that your wife helped you kind of figure out by seeing her success of like, okay, so I don't always need to work harder, right? Because I feel like, especially with manual labor, and I I see that with partners I've had in my life and and my own parents, like you can work in these jobs where you literally break your back. And at some point you max out at how much you earn when working for someone else, right? Like there's, oh, all you're going to get is $35 an hour. Boom. That's it. Exactly. And then, but Hey, we want you here for life. And some people on that, some people will settle, but other people are like, no, I need more fulfillment and there's more for me. So I love that you just recognize that because a lot of people would just stay complacent. A hundred percent. And that's, I mean, honestly, it was seeing Terry go after it that just, and honestly, I don't think like she's, she's really helped me push myself um, in the best of ways, because I think oftentimes I would, I would be, I was good at a lot of things growing up, like good, but not great. And I think that just seeing her pursue greatness in, in one thing and really pushing one thing allowed me to get out of that comfort zone a little bit um, and do something. I didn't think, honestly, I, I, I've never imagined that I would, I would get to where I am today. And so lots of props to her hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. When it, I think that whole, I never saw myself here. I couldn't imagine myself there. How does mindset really play in? Like when you're making that shift and because I feel like if you're saying like you went from, you know, you were, you said you were laying bricks, right? Like you yeah. were, to going into the fitness industry. So that is quite the big shift. So what kind of mindset blocks did you have to overcome in that moment? Yeah, there's, there's lots of mindset blocks along the way. One of the things I always tell the clients I work with is that every new level has its own devil. And mm. uh, that's true, both on a strategic standpoint, but also mindset, very, very, very real. So, I mean, there was a lot I had to deal with. The first thing was actually charging something that was worth what my service was. Um, Cause at the time I thought, Oh, I'll charge like 
25, 50 bucks a month. And like, all of a sudden I realized I, I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm not making less than bricklaying. And so there was, there was, there was some money mindset stuff as far as realizing that I had a lot of limitations. Um, and then there honestly was just a lot of self doubt. Um, growing up, I, I think one of the things I struggled with the most was believing that I could get okay at a lot of things, but I'd basically inevitably fail at things. Mm. And so one of the things I had to work through was a lot of kind of tearing down who I thought Ruben was and kind of building from the ground up. And that, that was not an easy process. There was, there was a couple of years that were really, really hard, Um, but starting to build just honestly, it was belief because Mm. the only way that you can do something consistently long-term is through a pretty solid belief. Um, so those are a couple of things at the beginning that I had to work through. There's a lot of things I've had to work through as yeah. uh, there's been different levels of growth and different levels of what I needed to do to keep on expanding. Um, but those would be the ones that I started with. Yeah. Oh man. And those are, I love that saying that you said at every level there's different devils because man, that's true. And sometimes just that hindsight's 2020, like when you're in that moment, you're like, oh, I'll never get out of this. And then like you're hit with something else and you're like, oh, if only I could go back to simpler times when I thought that was my problem. <laughs> you know, like this was a big issue <laughs> totally. in life. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. No, it's, 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 it's interesting looking back the other day, actually, my wife and I, we were both looking back at our old Instagram stories from like three, four years ago. And some of them were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's like how I behaved or those Mm. are the things I said, or that's how I acted or, but also it was, it was a really clear picture of of growth, right? Oftentimes we're like, oh, I don't feel like I'm growing. But if you were just to take a look at a year or two ago of who you were, you'd probably see some really big changes. And so it's a, it's a good practice every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. I sometimes like when, you know, Facebook pops up those memories and because mm-hmm. Facebook has been around for eternity, it feels like <laughs> it can really push you back 15 years. And you're yep. like, why the heck did I post that? You know? <laughs> and you're just, I have sometimes almost been like, girl, what were you thinking? But it is, it's that reflection of, I have really grown it's a self-awareness moment. It is just a true reflection of your growth. And then you have to just kind of sit there and own that growth and like be proud of yourself. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And that's, and that's, I mean, there's, there's good things that both looking at the past and looking in the future, right? They're they're, they're Mm -hmm. there to help you in different ways. And so it's, uh, it's good to look at both of them and then come back to the present because obviously that's the only place you can be and change things. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start talking business because I love that you said you and your wife, everyone started asking you how, Mm -hmm. how did you do it? Because I know that there are probably entrepreneurs listening right now and they are like, I have been doing this hustle four years and I can't break 5k. I'm having trouble breaking 10k. I may be having trouble getting over 2000 a month. So what do you see as like the biggest struggle when it comes to growth and kind of breaking that threshold that some people get held back in? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I'm going to kind of dive deep on this if you're okay with that. Um, So I'm going to start at the beginning, which is what most people, basically there's, there's things in business that we would call major pillars. And then there's things in business that we call minor pillars. So the majors and minors of business. And the way I think about it 
is the major things that actually are going to move your business forward are what we call necessities and the minor things that could help are what we call optimizations. It's kind of how I break it up in my mind. So most people, when they start a business, they're focusing on the minors or the optimizations versus focusing on the necessities. And this is a really big thing because if you're focusing on the things that are not going to mainly move your business forward, the needle movers, you're going to see very small growth. And so when I'm talking to someone, let's say that's uh, building an online business, we have very clear cut, okay, what are the necessities have to happen to get, let's say, a new client, okay? What are those things? I mean, a lot of people that do coaching or network marketing or online service like providers, a lot of them, they need more sales opportunities. A sales opportunity is just a necessity. There's, there's no going around it. Your business will not succeed if you don't have sales opportunities. So one of the clearest signs of if, is if your business is going to grow is how many sales opportunities have you had? And is that something that is actually going to grow you or not? And so that's, that's what we would call a necessity. Now, if someone would want an idea of an optimization, optimization or a minor thing could be getting better at sales or getting better at writing better copy or creating a sales page like a website, those are optimizations. They're not necessities. Mm. And so things like sales or things like having new qualified leads coming in every single day, those are necessities that'll actually move you forward versus an optimization, which is like learning to write better story content or having a better picture in your profile or your bio written a little bit better. Those are optimizations, which don't get me wrong, they're great and they, they have a place, but they're not necessities, right? Mm -hmm. And so the first place we start is where's your focus? And most people are majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. So we start with the focus change. Now, the second thing that I'm really big about that's super unsexy um, is numbers and tracking. Because one of the things I see so many people do is they're scared to actually go into the business details of everything because it's a little bit analytical and a little bit unsexy because this is the thing people are sold on sexy things when they realize they have to do a business and actually track things that will actually help them grow it's not necessarily a fun thing to do but it's going to basically provide a lot of growth for your business so a lot of things that we do is we track these things these needle moving activities okay how many sales opportunities did you have this week how many qualified leads did you generate this week? How fast did your audience grow this week? Like how many new clients did you get this week? And we start to track this and optimize. You could call it a funnel. It's, it's just a flow. It's a, it's, it's a flow of how you get new people into your business. And when you track something like this, you can then measure it, you can improve it, and you can double down on it if it's working. Mm-hmm. But most people don't know that. So like, for instance, if someone comes to us making $5,000 per month, We're not going to be like, hey, we have this cool strategy that you should use to get to 10K months. We'll be like, okay, what have you done that allows you to hit $5,000 per month? Hit me the numbers. What activities are you performing? The easiest way to get to 10K months is to be like, okay, these are the key areas that got you to 5K months. If we would just produce double the amount of activity in those, let's say, four or five areas, will that get us to 10K months? And most often it does. Most often it's not a new strategy or a different something that's going to allow you to do it. Mostly it's just tracking what you're already doing and then doubling down on it. And that's honestly, it's, it's so funny. Most people come to us, they're like, oh, this is e- easy or simple, but 
it's something that is, is just is, most people don't talk about because numbers and tracking aren't that great. So anyways, I, I know I went in depth there for a little bit, but those would be the two things. It's the focusing on the majors instead of the minors and then tracking what's already working and doubling down on it. And so those would be the two things I would start with. Ooh, I like that. And it sounds like you are already hinting that knowing your numbers is really important. <laughs> it is. Well, basically, if you don't know your numbers, basically you're driving blind because mm -hmm. basically you're doing work, but you're not tracking to know if that work provides a result. You're just doing work. And if a result happens, you feel happy for a second, but then you get scared that you have to do more work. And so you throw a bunch of stuff at the wall. And if something does work, you don't even know where it's coming from. Right. And so, and the people, the reason I think a lot of people don't track is because they're scared to see what's actually happening. Ooh. And they're scared of, I mean, honestly, I was scared the first time I thought of tracking. I was like, oh, this is basically, it's the best accountability partner because mm -hmm. the numbers don't lie. They don't care about your emotions. They just care about if you hit them or not. It's a mm -hmm. very simple black and white, like binary uh, solution to stuff. And so, um, it's scary to do it, but once you know your numbers, and this is something that I, I love to see it click with people that we work with or people that are just in our audience. When all of a sudden they're like, Ruben, you told me to just simply double these numbers. And now I'm getting four clients per week. And before I was only getting two. And now mm. they're like, I see that happening. If I, if I, if I doubled them again, will my clients go up? And then oftentimes, yes, that's the case. There's, there's a point where there's diminishing returns, but most of the time, if you just look at your numbers and simply improve them it'll improve the result. And so I think people need to start to see numbers as their friend and as the best accountability partner you can find. Ooh, so true. And now someone's listening and they're like, okay, but how do I track this? Is there yeah. a good way of tracking it? Yeah. Just keep it simple to start, like get an Excel sheet. Like when I started actually, so the first month I hit um, a six figure run rate as an online fitness coach. So the $8,300 in a month, the first month, I just used my whiteboard. I was, I was really sick of inconsistent months. So I drew in my whiteboard. I was like, okay, this is, I want this many new people that are quality in my audience. I want this many people into my Facebook group. I want this many people that I propose a sales call to. I want this many people that I got on a sales call with or whatever it was. So I started with a whiteboard, but you can start with an Excel sheet, super, super simple. And then I would just track if I were if I were the people listening here, I would just track four simple things. I would track how many new targeted audience members came into my audience every single week. So people that didn't know about me at all, that became a cold lead. So that's mm -hmm. the first thing I would track. The second thing I would track is did they become a qualified lead? And the way that we define that is if you provided what we call a value piece, other people call them freebies or opt-ins or freemiums. But if you provided something free and tangible that was helpful to a, to a cold lead, they're now a qualified lead or a warm lead. And then the third step is really just nurturing and having a great conversation with them, diving deep, showing that you care about them. So nurturing conversations. And then number four is how many calls did you have? with those people. And so I would just get an Excel sheet and literally put those on the side and then put out your weeks on the top and start to just track that a little bit. Um, the second thing I would just quickly uh, note is look at where your last 10 clients came from. Track the flow of how they became aware of you to when they became a client and see if there's some commonalities where you can do that again and again. Because if something's not repeatable, it's not sustainable. 
if it can't be done again and again and again, it's a short play, not a long play. And most people want to build a business for the long term, but they're doing a lot of short tactics. And so this is where building a real business, I think, comes into play. Ooh, and that makes so much sense because let's say if you're having, if you sit down and you look, you're like, oh, wow, most of my business comes from referrals versus mm-hmm. Jane Doe, who most of their business is coming from an Instagram story where they're showing mm-hmm. off something. Those are two very different ways of getting clients. So I could see how if you're nurturing yeah. the wrong audience, you know, or whichever way. So if, if yours are coming in through referrals, but you're on Instagram stories all day, not selling to anyone and <laughs> no one's buying from you that way. Exactly. It can be a, a not, I don't want to say a waste of time, but it a waste of time. Is. <laughs> it is a waste of time. And that's, and that's the thing, everyone, you only have a certain amount of hours in a day. And so it's always, and I always like my kind of, one of my theories of uh, building a business is always path of least resistance. If there is uh, stuff that I'm doing in the day that isn't moving me closer to the impact that I want or the growth that I want, and it just doesn't work, uh, we exit out. And actually, I, I do this practice every 30 days where I looked at all the activities that I personally perform in my business, and I either I, I keep what I'm what I'm doing, I exit out because it's not moving me closer, or I outsource it to like a virtual assistant who could be doing it and I can be doing other things. Right. And so I think that for most people, I think like going along that trail of like, okay, how do these people actually become clients? Like if you're on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and you're like, Hey, the task, like the last 10 clients, eight of them came from Instagram and two of them came from TikTok and get off Facebook, double down on Instagram right. and maybe do 20% of your work on TikTok. Like basically it's, it's figuring out this path is the easiest. It has the lowest hanging fruit and it's producing great. So if you would just take your time off of other things and double down on one thing, it's going to produce better results. Maybe mm-hmm. not exactly double results because there's, I mean, there's variables, but it will be better. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's keep rolling on with social media yeah. because I know a lot of people they will invest or let's say build their business through social media. And God knows if there comes a day where social media falls or we've had those days where Instagram just isn't working, people lose their mind because then they have no other way of being connected to their audience. So what do you think is the best way to use social media to gain clients? Yeah, that's a really great question. And so this kind of, this comes back a little bit to what I was talking about with the short plays and the long plays, because we all know like social media, I mean, it has been around long enough that we know where things go with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, when Google started off, I mean, if you were just on Google's front page, your business was incredible. Um, now it's really hard to get on the front page. Same thing with Facebook. The organic reach used to be amazing. Now it's cut down and you have to do a lot of ads. Same thing with Instagram over the last couple of years, they've throttled back their reach. So we all know that new social media platforms will pop up and they'll have great reach and they'll slowly go down and there'll be more paid traffic. And then some will have more demographics than others. So it's, it's learning to play the game right now, which is where you should be getting a lot of your clients from. But a lot of the time, you also be playing a long game. And a long game could be like building an email list or hosting a podcast that's a little bit more your own and your own audience. And so a lot of the people that we serve, we were like, hey, yeah, let's utilize a social media platform that's working really well. 
to get your clients and to make that happen. But like, let's make sure that we have a long play as well. Because again, in 10 years from now, we don't know where social media will be at. It's great to learn the skill set that if a new platform pops up that we can utilize it to get clients. Yes, let's learn that skill set that can be across all platforms. But let's have a long play so that you also are going to own an audience, whether it's email or podcast or texting lists, um, etc. Right? right? So, and as far as client acquisition, it's, I, I always like to think on a principle basis. So I teach my clients basically a principle that will work on all social media platforms. And then when they choose one, we customize the strategy and the mechanisms in the principles to those platforms, because platforms, obviously they, they work a little bit differently, um, et cetera. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's one thing that used to just, I think it's a fundamental of marketing that many people overlook when it comes to social media, because how you're messaging on Facebook is not how you're messaging on Twitter. It's Mm -hmm. not how you're messaging on TikTok. And we know this and you can just take it straight back to the basics of marketing because you do not have the same ad in a newspaper that you have mm-hmm. on a billboard. That is not the same ad that you're seeing on television or yeah. in a movie. So we know that it can be the same thing, but the messaging, the look, mm-hmm. everything about it is fundamentally different. And oh, 100%. People- forget that about social media. It's just like, okay, I've posted this on Twitter. So now I'm going to post it on Facebook and I'm going to post it here <laughs> and you're going to post it in seven different places. Yeah. And that's exhausting because you know what? Everyone who follows you on those networks are like, okay, I got it. Jeez. You've just posted this message everywhere you are. And in that point you can actually turn people off because totally it's, it's like a redundance of sorts versus if you're hitting your target audience, meeting them where they're at, Yeah, that there's power there. Oh, a hundred percent. And I mean, we, we often recommend like when people get started, like, a lot of obviously bigger influencers will be will be telling people like you should be on all these different social media platforms and building at the same time. And I think at the end of the day, you do want to be on all platforms, but most people, it's just way too much at the beginning. Yeah. Um, we always get people to really focus on one until they're doing about 10, 15, 20K per month. Um, and then we usually see if we can stack another one to get some better results. And so I think a big thing really is like honing in on, yeah, what is your traffic source? Which platform, which is your, how are you marketing to them? How are you warming them up and the sales opportunity, right? And so, no, it's, it's really important to not basically spread yourself too thin on the front end because again, you have limited time and you want to do path of least resistance. Path of least resistance is not being on 10 social media platforms when you're only making $3,000 a month. Path of least resistance is focusing on one where you're getting majority of your clients. Mm, Yes. And you touched on um, the organic marketing. So like organic reach. So we know that our reach has just gone down. I remember when Facebook business or brand pages started and Mm. you could post and it was like, everyone get your business on here ASAP. Like it is, it is free advertising, right? Like that's how it felt. And now it's like, okay, I just posted to my 2000 followers and (laughs) two people saw it organically. There's no reach. Yeah. There's no reach on business pages. It's it's legit gone. Yes. So, and then people are like, okay, well I must boost this then. Right. So like, sure. Let me give Facebook $5 here, $10 here. And you and I both know it's not like the best strategy to go about it because there's not much intention there. So when do people know when to shift from 
organic marketing to paid marketing? And do we really need paid marketing? Good question. So I'm going to give the, the, the theoretical answer and then I'll give my personal answer. The theoretical okay. answer is you only have to move to it when you need it. Mm. Um, and now people are like, well, that's not helpful. <laughs> and well, here's the thing. So like we, we built our, our coaching business does uh, over a million dollars a year and we don't spend anything on paid advertisement. Mm. And so there's a lot of people that have built million dollar businesses or even bigger. Um, I know some people that do 5 million a year organically. Um, now that's not the, that's not the case for everyone. Some people that we worked with, we've gotten their, their, co their coaching businesses up to 40, 50 K months and their organic really is starting to basically, we, we see diminishing returns. And what you want to look at is again, this is why you track is if we put in more effort, but the results start to diminish as far as input versus output, that's when we know, okay, this, and we call them traction channels. This traction channel is maxed out. It's at its honey spot. We, we need to actually think about something else and mm -hmm. add a different traction channel in. So the main three traction channels that the online space has is organic social media, which includes SEO. There is PR, which is a lot of getting in articles. Podcasting is kind of an informal PR um, and then there is paid advertisement, obviously, which is paid on every platform. And so basically, at the end of the day, most businesses, and this is quite far in the future, most businesses that get to 10 million or more per year will use all three on full, like full levels. Less, yeah. um, and so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter which one you start with. I like organic social media because it's free. Um, I, I just absolutely love it. I really like how, like I understand it very well. Um, but that being said, the real answer is you only should move into it when it's tactical and you need it. Mm. Um, that's, that's the real answer. So I haven't moved into it yet. I probably will soon where like my goal is to actually grow a little bit more and then moving to it, um, as we continue to whatever level up, but that's my personal opinion on it. Yeah, no, I like that because if you can grow to these 50,000 months and you're not paying for it, like, it's kind of like, yeah. all right, well, why would I? But again, like if it stops working for you, then maybe that is something you need to shift into. We had a podcast guest who helps set up Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, and she said that she's like, you know, I don't, we, I suggest not even starting a Facebook ad unless you're over 10,000 a month. She was like, yeah. it's just like for her, it just like, wasn't even suggested. She's like, have you really done all of the other things that you can do? Well, that's you know? the thing, right? Because I think a lot of people, and I actually, my first business coach told me to go ads the first, like before making any money. But the thing is, I didn't know how to sell. And so even if mm. the leads were coming in, I couldn't close them. Yeah, I didn't know marketing that well. I didn't know targeting that well. And so I, I like what she said, because I think like once you're making $10,000 a month, you, you do know who you're serving. You do know right. your offer. You do know how to sell it. You have testimonials and positioning. Um, some people can start with ads, but I think by far the majority shouldn't. Yeah. Um, and so, and then if you're at $10,000 a month organically, again, then the, if, if they're asking the question of, should I now go to ads or double down on organic? I always go back to my theory, path of least resistance. What's going to yeah. get us there the soonest and the fastest and the easiest? 
And I don't think starting a new traction channel at that point is because you're already good at something. Right. Um, it's kind of like if you were to be like planting this field and you're starting to harvest, you're getting a good crop and you're like, okay, this is going really well. Let's tear up this whole field and plant something else. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, well, maybe we should have just like done better at what was already working. Right. So, but anyways, no, I do agree that you should have a little bit of proof that you know what you're doing before you start to spend some money on stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense too, because like you said, if, what if you're out here and you, you haven't been taught these like proper steps, right. Of bringing someone in, nurturing the relationship, just the fundamental parts of, I would say even inbound marketing, you yeah. know, like those are, those are critical steps and, and a misstep can also cost you a lot too. Exactly. Yeah. And in organic marketing, all it costs is your time and you learn something in paid right. marketing. I mean, you, you're going to learn something, but it's going to cost you money. And so, and that's why, like, especially for new entrepreneurs, the, the reason there's a reason that not a lot of new entrepreneurs make it at the end of the day, because it's risky. And so in my, in my opinion, the way that I teach new entrepreneurs is in, in a way that mitigates as much risk as possible. And so that's a big thing for me because I think a lot of people are like, oh, new businesses, they can spend tons of money on this, tons of money on that. They don't have a lot of money. Right. And so I think the best way to help them is helping them to grow in the way that costs them the least. Um, and that's what I think organic social media is. Yeah. I think that's a huge misconception that people have like, oh, you're starting a business. You must be so well off when a lot <laughs> of people are just like, no, I'm leaving my nine to five and I'm just hoping, yeah. hoping to make it because, you know, and they're putting everything into this. And mm -hmm. I know my first year of business, I didn't make like diddly squat. <laughs> I was that person. I was like, let me price everything so low that everyone wants to buy it. And then I'm going to exactly. spread myself then. And oh my gosh, I'm going to need a hundred people <laughs> every month to just put food on my table. Like that's crazy. <laughs> right. And it's just, it's one of those small things that when you get started, you almost overlook because you're also, I think like very overwhelmed by totally. everything. Like there's so much to learn and so much that you want to do, right? Like mm -hmm. you want to change the world in some way as an entrepreneur, yeah. you want to be of service to someone or, you know, so like sometimes like that is like the, the triumph. Right. And then all this little business stuff in between, you're like, Totally. Totally. And that's why I think just having someone to help you just clear that focus, right. is going to be so important because you're going to be thinking about a million things because you see so many ads, you follow so many influencers on Instagram. Um, you listen to so many podcasts, read so many books that your head's filled with so much great information, but um, it's not helpful actually. It's not helpful at all because they're coming from a hundred different experiences. You need a, I, and that's why I actually tell a lot of people like, stop. <laughs> it's funny. I create a lot of content, but I tell people stop consuming. Um, Cause oftentimes too much consumption of content can actually be harmful, yeah. especially for new entrepreneurs, especially yeah. for them, because everything sounds like a good idea for like every person that's made a million bucks. I'm going to listen to them. But like, the problem is we all made it a little bit differently. And so I think, I think really, and, and this is, I think find someone that you really love online that you connect with and actually tune everyone out for a while. It doesn't mean for the rest of your life, but tune them out for a good six months so you can get your bearings straight. Yeah. Um, it sounds kind of harsh, but I think it's honestly so needed. No, I, I totally agree. You know, it's funny because I have this, um, I have this opportunity coming up and I was like, <sighs> 
I just need to get rid of social media for a little bit, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I just realized how many times I was picking up my phone every day. And it's like one of those mindless, like it was one of those click on Facebook, click on Twitter, click yeah. on Instagram. Like I've seen the same things. Oh, let me click back on Facebook. Like <laughs> what am I doing? So I actually deleted all of the apps off of yeah. my phone. And I made that like 30 day goal of like, this is what I really need to work on, pay attention to. Here's what I want to change. But you have to be mindful of how mm-hmm. much of a time suck that is because I knew that that my time was being wasted with my little scrolly finger, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> scroll and scroll and scroll. Totally. And I wasn't adding value because I wasn't posting content other than the, the podcast. I wasn't posting content. So I wasn't mm-hmm. adding value and I was only doing like the eye roll at like every other <laughs> post. I'm just like, oh gosh. So really there was no value. Yeah, not even good for a- your energy. <laughs> right, right. No, my energy was complete crap afterwards too. Like I needed to detox. So so it's interesting too when you can just, as an entrepreneur, like if, if you can, I love that advice, like tune mm-hmm. it out and focus. And I love that advice of follow one person that you vibe with because- vibes don't lie (laughs) (laughs) totally no i mean you can often tell people's energy uh via social or or a podcast like this right so i think i think i think it's so important and i often do it myself where i'm just like okay no i'm gonna i'm gonna follow less people i'm going to look at my social media less i'm going to delete apps on my phone and just be on my computer whatever it is it's probably different for different people but like i think just learning to do more consume less is going to be one of the most helpful things as a new entrepreneur, because the greatest teacher is the experience. Um, even though there's a lot of great teachers out there, uh, your own personal experience, I think will trump most of them. Oh my goodness. So many great truth nuggets you just dropped. I'm already thinking of what I'm going to turn into an audiogram to highlight <laughs> this episode because there are so many good ones. I feel like I could pick your brain all dang day, but I also want to be respectful of your time. So Will you tell our audience where they can go to connect yeah. with you further? Yeah, the best the best place is uh, I run a I run a Facebook group. It's called Online Coaches Uprising, um, and people are like, well, that's an interesting name. It's it's because like as you said at the beginning, we we like to be heart centered and business savvy, and I want to lead an uprising of the heart centered entrepreneur. And so mm-hmm. that's that's why we call it that. But it's it's a great Facebook group. I think we have about thirty five hundred people. In it, And the main thing, the reason I want you guys to join is because, because I run a weekly masterclass in there. So every week I run a one hour masterclass in there on different subjects completely for free. We have actually compiled almost about 60 of them um, that you can watch for free on things like sales or building your targeted audience or nurturing or content or mindset or like there, the list goes on and on. And so join the group, get as much value out of it as you can. Um, my goal is to make it the most valuable Facebook group that anyone ever comes into in, in my space. Um, so that's really the only place I would send people. Check it out and just let me know how you uh, enjoy it. Perfect. I'll be sure to link that in this week's episode notes so everyone can go join. I'm going to go join as soon as we're Fabulous. done this because I love to learn and nerd out on all things business and marketing. So count me in. But Ruben, you have been a wealth of knowledge today. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your light. Hey, of course. Honestly, I said at the beginning, but these last 41 minutes, I've enjoyed them a ton. 
I love when guests share easy to implement action steps that can really help us catapult our business and life. I've linked Ruben's website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. And while you're connecting, be sure we're connected too. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at mindbizlife. I'll see you back here on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday. But until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.